he is my friend and I do like him. I just want to uh, just give some honor to, to Paul this morning. Uh, thank you for having me on your platform. I don't take it lightly. Um, the Bible says that we have many teachers but not many fathers. Well, Paul's a father who teaches. So I don't know him very well, but I do know his son. And you can often tell a dad by his son. <laughs> and uh, I know his son really well. So thank you for the invitation. Thank you as well, my friend, and your lovely wife too. Oh, wow. They're beautiful people. Do you know, I think I said to you last time that you're all powerful people. And I give you permission to disagree with me. Just makes it easier, doesn't it? You can let a little bit of sigh out. I don't need to convince you I've lost the ambition to try and impress. Maybe that comes with maturity. But let me tell you, I don't believe maturity is just for old people. I think you get more mature the more obedient you are. The problem is it just took me a long time. <laughs> I've been on a bit of a journey. But I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here and I've got it all right. Because I haven't. And I'm still on a journey. But I think I'm better than when I begun my journey 45 years ago. 45 years. Wow. Incredible. So if you've got your Bible <laughs> and you open it to page 203, you just haven't got your Bible, have you? You sinners, really. Just let me read this to you. A very famous man once wrote. This is the goal, a life that is so given over to the Father. No single movement is made without reference to him. This is the life that Jesus lived There's nothing about the way that the Son of God lived on this earth or lives now in heaven which can be separated from the life of the Father in him. All his joys, his pain, his sadness, his sorrow, his suffering and triumphs are wrapped up in his identity as a son to the Father. That's liquid gold. And you can have it for twelve ninety nine. Is it twelve quid? I've just put it up a quid, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. There's so much in this. Um, I know he doesn't need me to plug it. Um, but I will be sharing this with a number of people because the journey in this book contains a richness from heaven. I get a chance to travel all over the UK, all over the world, really. And um, I love coming to churches like this. And I don't say that everywhere. And I don't, also don't say, if I lived here, I'd come to this church. I don't say that everywhere either, but I would. And the reason for that is that you're pursuing the relationship. And that's summed up in that book and summed up in you guys. So 45 years journey, I, I want to kind of try and flow a little bit with what Holy Spirit's doing today rather than come and give you a good sermon. I've got loads of good sermons. Well, I think they're good. 
some people think they're good as well, but I just want to share a little of what I believe Holy Spirit's got me flowing in today and flowing in what, what's already happening here today. And um, yeah, God woke me up this morning really, when he was just speaking, he wakes me up really early, five o'clock in the morning, he generally wakes me up. I generally have a discussion with him about, can we discuss this at lunchtime? <laughs> but it's generally five o'clock in the morning, and it was this morning, and uh, we just had a great time together. <laughs> a great time. I don't, I, I hear picking on people from platforms, but Steve, where's Steve? Steve, we've got a book for you, mate. Can you, you'll have to come and get it, though. I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you, but you're going to have to come, and I am going to pray with you. So, uh, no one has said I'm not going to embarrass people. I'm going to embarrass you. Just stay there. You're all right there. Adam, can you just come stand with us? It's all right. I'll pray for you. It's, it's tough if it's not, isn't it? <laughs> so, Steve, I've seen for you that you have, a, um, you have a marketplace anointing on your life. And um, i also seen that the Lord wants to encourage you not to bury your talents. That the, um, it's a time of investment and not a time to bury. It's not a time to be safe, but a time to take risks with Adam's help. But you have a marketplace anointing on your hands. And you'll spread kingdom wealth beyond your wildest dreams. So we ask, Father, that you'll bless this man, that you'll help him to steward what he has. We thank you for him. We thank you for his pursuit of you. And we, we speak blessing on him in the marketplace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Bless you, buddy. I won't embarrass anybody else, I promise. Unless God says to embarrass somebody else. Let's just take a minute there. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Help me. Yes, Jesus loves me. See, God just doesn't give you love. He is love. He's not interested in giving you love. He's interested in being love for you, living in you. And um, I think I've just found a diamond on the floor. If it's real, can I keep it? Oh, yes. That's plastic. Never mind, I'm in faith. Um. I remember making a vow when I was 
in my teenage years not to not to cry you know inner vows are very very serious don't you <laughs> and uh it, i was probably at the age of got saved not long after that but at the age of maybe 20 23 when do you know the names of god you know that jehovah sneaky thing has god ever been like that with you where he just bah he just turns up and um through two kids being born, through marriage, getting married, through the death of my in-laws, never shed a tear because I'd made a vow not to shed a tear. So I didn't. And I remember it was at a, a red traffic light. All was well with the world. And God unzipped me emotionally at a red traffic light. And I began to weep like a baby in my car at a red traffic light that had then turned green and people tooting behind me. And where I'm from up north, they don't suffer fools um, too lightly. And I was broke. I can't remember for how long. Have you ever been like that? I was just broke. But I was getting fixed. Because God's in pursuit of our heart. And he's in pursuit of releasing his love into our heart. That will be him. Who he is. So Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and I began that journey of being unzipped, released, um, painful journey it was for me um, and God took me to several beautiful people who helped me and walked me through that period of my life and I would love to say that you know well that's great Alan you know you've been around a long time you've seen can I just tell you I've seen like probably the rest of I don't know if the rest of us but I've seen all you know when you when the first person gets out of the wheelchair that you pray for, there's such a buzz. You get such a buzz. When the first blind eye opens, there's such a buzz. Yeah, you know, I prayed for dead people that haven't risen from the dead yet, but I'm believing for that. You know that. But I realised that these these things are signs that point to someone. It's fantastic for the person. It's fantastic to see the power of God move, but they're leading you into something deeper. They're, they're pointing you towards something, someone. The father of creation. Your father, my father. So as, as I've gone on in my walk of maturity, you know, I would love to say that I'm, I'm there. Um, I think just Three months ago, I, God, Jehovah, sneaky, sneaked up on me again and began to reveal something that was in my heart that needed dealt with. And it was to do with the applause of man. And it was to do with a gift, a big financial gift that had come from a person. And I couldn't receive it. It was too much. Do you hear the heart in that? <laughs> 
It's not a healthy heart, is it? <laughs> it's too much. So God took me on another journey, which I'm still on right now. I'm probably about 80% there. But it showed up in my heart something that God needed to come and fix. And I'm 45 years in my journey. Might be a bit slower than the rest of you, maybe, I don't know. But I'm 45 years in my journey. So I want to start by saying this, that whatever and wherever you are right now, whether God sneaks up on you or whether you just know that he's been speaking to you about something, he's a lover in pursuit of your heart. I've preached some great sermons, but that point right there (laughs) is a point to take home. He's a lover in pursuit of your heart. I've made some right messes as well from time to time. I don't know about you. I remember once we uh, met this girl um, who was, she was a drug addict and her boyfriend was a drug addict. And you know how you get the call. So I got the call, went and seen them, spent some time with them. I spend a lot of time in crack houses, but I haven't got a habit by the way, but I've spent a lot of time there. And uh, you can just imagine the lifestyles, can't you? They were totally addicted. And um, I sat with them and listened, chatted. And um, nothing more I'd love to say. You know, she got, they got set free there and then, and they give their lives to Jesus, but that wasn't the case. And, and what happened was this, that she, she got pregnant. And, um, and, and <laughs> the baby was born, and she... She, she came to me and said, we don't know any church. We, we don't do church. All we know is you. Would you christen our baby? So I thought, well, let me just explain you a little about christening and dedication and, and all this stuff. Anyways, I said, yes. I said, um, how many people will you be bringing to church? She said, oh, about 50. So I was like, all right, we'll have to ask some of our church, because our church was full at the time. So I was like, Next week, there's quite a few who's got a week off. <laughs> Go to the beach, enjoy the sunshine, because we had to make space for the guests. And um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but never mind. So, so they came. So we had half the church full of challenges. <laughs> that was the church. The other half was full of her people. Um, <laughs> We had people queuing outside, smoking weed. We, we had people, just half the church. And they knew nothing about church. And I'm going, what on earth am I going to do here, God? And um, so it got to the point, we sang a couple of songs. And I'm saying we, the half of the church, sang a couple of songs. And the others looked on like, oh, what the heck is going on here? And um, it got to the part of the dedication. I invited her up. So as she come up to the stage, oh. She got her breast out to feed the baby. (laughs) This is true. This is true. This is true. So I'm like going, well, this is unusual. (laughs) And if you know me, I'm the kind of person that would, I'd make a comment. I wouldn't run from it. I'd make some comment about it, you see. So my wife's sitting on the front row and I caught her eye and she's going, don't you dare. (laughs) 
So I, I said something like, well, this is unusual. Um, but babies need to feed. And then I'm thinking, I've got to lay hands on that baby's head. <laughs> Next to that boob. Oh. So I get to pray. And instead of praying a prayer of blessing, I said, I'm going to pray a prayer of breasting. <laughs> it is absolutely true. So all her side of the church, straight-faced, all the church people on the floor laughing. And I'm looking for a hole somewhere behind me just so I could crawl in. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. I remember getting a card off her mum, actually, and her mum said it was the breast service she'd ever been to. <laughs> amazing, absolutely amazing. You see, we don't, it's a journey, isn't it? We don't get everything right. And I think sometimes we set ourselves up for failure by thinking everything has to be right all the time. The only thing that really has to be right is our heart response to God. The rest of it will work out. The rest of it really will work out. I remember actually she got off drugs. The story is better. She got off drugs actually. Her boyfriend didn't, but she did. And... um, I was as proud as punch. Never ever come back to church, by the way. No, none of them ever came back to church. But I was proud as punch when she, she messaged me and told me that she'd got her first GCSE in those days. She'd went back and got and studied and got a GCSE. Absolutely incredible. And um, her boyfriend came down on drugs a bit, but he was still on drugs. But she'd managed to get off them. Um, Really, really beautiful story. And um, don't tell anybody I told you that. Is this going out on the airwaves? Oh, no. Well, I'll tell you, I'd lost, the, I'd lost the ability to impress you, didn't I, really? So I, that, that kind of just shows a little bit of where I'm at. Do you know, I work with a lot of people, disadvantaged people, and um, people who are really struggling in life. They're not looking for a church. They're looking for Jesus. Church is alien to them. (laughs) Church is weird to them. And I've spent most of my life running, starting and running different charities that reach into the community and see communities transformed. And um, there's one or two people here in their sinful days did visit Whitley Bay when it was sinful. But Whitley Bay, where I'm from, has been transformed and I used I don't use the word lightly but it's been transformed it was full of hen and stag do's and full of it had a huge drink culture um, people came from all over the country to Whitley Bay to get hammered um, strippers in the windows as you as you walk down the street I mean it was and that was 20 years ago today not one nightclub in the place. Family bars everywhere. Restaurants, family bars everywhere. The, the place was a wreck. It was, it was run down. Every news item was all about it being run down. I, I got the opportunity of, of um, spending a million pounds. Um, the local authority said to me, 
we want to give you a million pounds, but you have to spend it on the community. You have to ask the community what they want. And the first thing we did, we, we, um, we got a designer in and we, <laughs> we got a master plan drawn up. And basically, in church language, it was a vision of what the community wanted their community to look like. And, and we, we opened up a community center. That's where people come from, the community who won't go to church. And we put this plan on the wall. Sounds familiar to church, doesn't it? <laughs> we began to look at the values of what the community wanted for their community. And you know what? Didn't happen overnight. But if you look at Whitley Bay now and look at our master plan, it's very difficult to tell the difference. Because we empower the people to change their community. Because, because our aim is to see our communities more like the kingdom than they were before. And, and I'm not against nightclubs. I'm, you know, I do drink alcohol occasionally, so I'm not. Uh, but it didn't look like the kingdom. It looks more like the kingdom now. I've lost count how many hundreds of thousands of people we fed who had no food. You see, that it's not about works. It's about bringing in the kingdom. But whether we like it or not, to bring in the kingdom requires something of us. See, I, did, I, did, I, did, I didn't just want my church to be full, although it was. I want a transformation of my community. I wanted it to look different, smell different, act different than what it was when I first got there. And I'm believing that for the region. We've got some of the worst statistics up north. Worst statistics for male suicide. You see, when the kingdom comes, that'll change. You could argue the kingdom's already here. But we want to see our communities transformed. And we want to do that by serving the people and demonstrating the love of God. Not to get them into church, but to get Jesus into them. The rest of it will follow. <laughs> How many sins did Jesus die for? It's a question you can answer. It's not a trick. How many sins did he die for? All of them. Even the people who don't know him yet, he died for their sins. He paid the price, the Bible said. So we don't have to... It's about the revealing of that gift in their heart for them. And that might look like somebody give me a bag of food. And that opens something up in me to think, hey, and I've lost count how many people have, I'll not swear, but generally they swear. Somebody actually gives a stuff. Because the, 
That's what the world's looking for. To know that Jesus gives us stuff. He gave his life. He gave all of his stuff. Where do I want to go? I don't want to go too long this morning. And I don't want to just fall into some of this stuff that I've got. Unless it's right for you guys. Um, Thank you for the freedom just to be me, by the way. Quite often. I'm preaching an African church on Tuesday this week. They will want a sermon. (laughs) And it better be good and it better be loud. I've got a good sermon lined up for them. That's what they want. You know, I've met the most hardened people. And I don't mean people who have ended up in prison, although I worked a lot in prison. I worked a lot with ex-offenders. But I don't mean those people. I mean well-off people. I remember speaking to a guy, multimillionaire, and he says to me this, he said, I've never had to worry about money in my entire life. Anything I've wanted, I could do. He says, but I'm poor. <laughs> he says, I'm poor. I'm poor emotionally. I'm poor spiritually. You know, the gospel... The Bible says this, that when we read the word saved, most of us will know this because they'll know the word sozo. And it just, it's the Greek word for salvation, basically, for saved. hundred and something times in the Bible it's mentioned in the New Testament, saved, sozo. And it means this, to be saved, healed, and delivered. So often we get past the first stage. I'm saved. (laughs) I've got me ticket. But God wants to heal us. God wants to deliver us. You see, because we're not meant to live. We're not meant to exist. We're meant to live victoriously. We're meant to have life abundance. The cup is meant to be full and overflowing. Full and overflowing. Ha. I could tell you loads of stories. I'm trying to be really good. There is, um, ha. I remember when we used to go onto the streets in Whitley Bay at four o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And people were absolutely, you know, people reacted differently when they've had a drink, don't they? Some people are really nice, and some people, man, they're evil. <laughs> drink opens up some stuff in people, I could tell you. You know, it tells you that, you know, they said it helps you lure any kind of resistance you may have. But in the midst of this, people would come up, unchurched people would come up three o'clock in the morning, generally, let's just say a little worse for wear, tell you their life's problems. They're willing. I remember sharing with uh, this, um, she was a GP actually, whose mother had died. And she just sat and wept with me for about an hour. She doesn't normally go out and get drunk. But that was her response to death. (laughs) Where else can I go? I'll just go and get drunk. And she was broken, absolutely broken. Let me encourage you, there is 
and you guys I know do a lot, so I'm not, please hear me right. I'm just trying to say to you that church is bigger than coming to church. I think is what I'm trying to say. And church is bigger than this church. <laughs> you see, that, um, I went on another journey. It was a whole different journey. Um, about 15 years ago, God said to me, um, Alan, I, 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 you're going to get ordained. I went, what's that? And he says, yeah, I'm going I'm to take you to traditional churches. But to get there, I need to get you ordained. I don't know if God talks to you like that, but he talks to me like that. I was like, wow, this could be interesting. So off I went on this journey, four years later. (laughs) In a cathedral, with a bishop, with apostolic succession, under canon law, a Geordie with a dress on. It took me ages to tell my mates, I can tell you. I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't rush around telling people. And I got ordained. And then was made a dean. So I've got an official title. I'm very reverent. Not just reverent. I'm very reverent. But who knows that you're... Your theology is not a piece of paper. It's what you live. Your theology is not what you read. It's when you walk out that door. Because basically your theology is what you do. Because that's really what you believe. You really, what you really do is what you really believe. So you can pretend you've got theology. I can show you a lovely wall in my office that's got lots of certificates on. But it didn't stop my heart from breaking three months ago when I couldn't receive a financial gift. One of the things ordination did do, apart from make a lot of my friends laugh, was it opened a door into the prisons for me. And uh, I went and did some work as a chaplain in some of the prisons. And that was an incredible insight into the lives of men who were never getting out of prison. the hurt and the pain was tangible I remember one guy came down to the chapel and he, he had a towel on his arm I said, what have you done and he said I've just poured I've just boiled the kettle and poured it on my arm I said what for he says I need to try and stop the pain <laughs> people think prisoners have a good time in prison The pain is tangible. So I tried to live out of Matthew 25. I tried to visit the sick. I tried to go to the prison. I tried to, it's not, I'll say it again just in case you get confused. It's not about works. It's not about me searching for my identity. I have found that. My struggle three months ago was actually receiving the affirmation of man. Oh, I thought I was all there with God. I am all there, God. I receive your affirmation. Everything comes from you. But as soon as man wanted to give me a gift, I mean, I've had millions of pounds through my hands for different charities that I've overseen. 
and I've never flickered once taking any of that money. I'm very good at taking money. But unfortunately, this one became personal. And it was for me. Something just twicked in my heart. And I was like, wow. I've received the gift, and I'm learning. But I'm 45 years in. I don't know about you. But I'm guessing none of us are the finished product. I'm not anyway. I'm not the finished product. I think time's gone. I've, I've got a great sermon, if you want to hear it sometime. But I think time's gone. One of the things I felt that the Holy Spirit woke me up with this morning was a word, either for somebody watching or somebody in this room today, to do with trauma. And it was, <laughs> it was tied into forgiveness. And it was trauma that has kept you in a place of unforgiveness. That your heart is heavy because of this traumatic experience. It might have something to do with an accident. Or it might even have to do something with a traumatic birth. Either you, when you were born or you have given birth. I felt the other thing as well was an... <laughs> Someone was holding unforgiveness because a friend who they never thought would let them down has let them down. You know, when we say the Lord's Prayer, it says this in the Lord's Prayer, doesn't it? We all know the Lord's Prayer. Don't we? Let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and... Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There's a very deep thing in the Bible. Actually, the Father says, if you can't forgive your brother, neither can the Father forgive your sins. That's a deep thing, isn't it? That's a deep thing. And um, there has been times in my life that I have had to forgive others. And I've received the freedom that comes from that. I don't know if I said this last time, but there's a big difference between a scar and a wound. I think we're allowed scars, but we're not allowed wounds. See, Jesus has scars. Showed him to Thomas, didn't he? Jesus has scars. I would even go as far as to say, if you haven't got a scar, maybe you've never been in the battle. <laughs> sure, if you spend a bit of time with Paul, he could show you a few scars. <laughs> Because as you pioneer and as you break through into stuff, it can be brutal. Some of it can even come from Christians. <laughs> so it's all right to have a scar. It is. 
It shows you've been in a battle. I don't know anybody who's battled who hasn't got scars. But it's definitely not all right to have a wound. Now, the wound can be a process to healing. I'm not saying, you know, if you process the wound well, it'll become a scar. But if you don't, it remains festered. And it remains a wound. And Jesus said this, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. Isn't he? So I want to ask you today, as I finish, I'm going to pray for you if you want. Did you have a trauma somewhere in your life that God's just reminded you of, as I've said it? (laughs) Is there any area of unforgiveness that you're holding? Because if there is, you need to get rid of it because it will just remain. It will just remain and fester. Most of us have had some really good teaching in this house about forgiveness. I'm not going to go there because I'm just assuming you know. But forgiveness is about your freedom. And forgiveness isn't about letting the other person off the hook. But it is about letting you off the hook. And you get to walk in the freedom and the power of your forgiveness when you forgive others. And sometimes it starts with a practical prayer. Father, I choose to forgive. And the feelings might come later. But sometimes forgiveness isn't about how you feel. It's about what you speak. It's about the declaration of your heart. When Jesus says, hey, forgive your enemies. It's about the declaration of your heart. So, I didn't intend saying any of that today, but that's kind of where it's at. I hope that's been all right for you guys. I do want to give an opportunity right now for anybody who feels that, particularly that word at the end was for them, I'm just going to give you the opportunity to stand to your feet. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I do think there's something in that declaration of you acknowledging that the Lord has spoken to you about that. I'm not going to come and pray with you. I'm not going to get you out the front. But if you want to respond to that word, now's the time. I'm just going to say a quick prayer. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. And when I pray this prayer, it's going to release you from trauma, but it is also going to release you from that area of unforgiveness that you've held there's going to be freedom in this place today thank you for your bravery and standing and acknowledging that before God this is this is why I'm here today (laughs) so I just want you to hold your hands out in front of you just in a And I want you to imagine that trauma or that person or that thing that happened to you or that thing you did to yourself, whatever it might be. I want you just to imagine it in your hand. And as I pray, Holy Spirit is going to come and lift it. And you will feel the heaviness of that leave you.
So Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to come and do what you're really good at. And I just want you to, you can repeat quietly or loud, whatever you want to do. It's up to you. It's just say in your head if you want. It doesn't really matter. I want you to repeat this after me. Father God, I choose to forgive. And whatever that is there, that's, you just acknowledge that. I give back to them what is theirs. And I take back from them what is mine, washed in the blood of Jesus. I release them into the power of my forgiveness. Father God, set me free in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Father, I break off any trauma that has been attached to the lives of these folk. That sudden thing, that disaster that has affected their lives, Father, I break it off them right now in Jesus' name. We break off its power, we break off its lie, and we say, come and live. (laughs) Come and live in me in that area that was full of death and decay. I declare that these people are set free in the name of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus to live victorious lives. Father, I pray for those of us who you're working on our hearts, maybe feeling a little emotional or a little fragile at the moment like me. God, I pray. I pray and thank you for your grace and your mercy on our lives. Thank you, Father, that you you love us immensely. So we just say yes and amen to all that you're doing in our hearts. (laughs) In Jesus' name.